morning and welcome to the Jeff Gravy Podcast show. Today is Tuesday. It's a nice morning to head to work. Started my day off a little bit later than I normally do. Usually I'm already almost at school, but just kind of getting started today. It is what it is. Last night I had some panic attacks. I stayed up to probably about 1.30 dealing with those. And I'll be honest with you. Those things are rough. You know, I don't know how everybody's panic attacks affect them, uh, but mine usually start with stomach pain. You know, and then it works its way up into pain in my chest. And then, you know, I have to take my medicine to kind of chill it out. And then that didn't help. Like last night I took that at like 9 o'clock at bedtime. Never helped. And ended up, ended up like, you know, throwing up. And it, it's rough. I don't wish those upon anybody because when I have them, um, you know, I, so my first thought's always, let's go to the emergency room, have a heart attack. But now, you know, I'm kind of settled in, you know, on what they are and different ways to kind of deal with them. But, you know, finally about 1.30, the, the pain and the pressure kind of subsided and I was able to fall asleep setting up in the bed, which never happens because I'm a person that... I very seldom fall asleep setting up. I mean, I can doze off some. I do it at my desk every now and then, or I do it during, like, a faculty meeting and things like that. But as far as me being able just to sleep, no, I've got to be laying back on my pillow, kind of comfortable and all that stuff. But it was rough. But you know what? I came through it. Um, got a few hours of sleep. You know, I'm not one that has to have a whole lot of sleep. I like to have at least you know, five hours or so, and then anything extra is pretty nice, so, but I, I can tell you that my panic attacks are based on triggers, you know, things trigger my panic attacks, and I didn't have one in, I don't know, I guess since January is the last time I think I actually recount of having one that was pretty substantial, and I had one yesterday morning, but it was a small one, it just kind of woke me up, my heart was racing, and, you know, I had a dream, and it wasn't good, but, you know, like my panic attack triggers right now, I guess for my grandmother, you know, she she has a mass that they're concerned about, and she has to have a colonoscopy on uh, Thursday, and then next week they have to have surgery to remove whatever that mass is, and, you know, that's probably my biggest trigger, you know, like I know today I have to stay out there for a faculty meeting, and, you know, that, that was always bothered me too, because I hate, you know, spending extra time away from my family. And driving in traffic and things like that in the evenings. But it is what it is. Uh, so that, that's that's just kind of what I've been going through the last couple of days. Uh, but, you know, once you reach rock, rock bottom on certain times and certain things, uh, it's always a good opportunity for me to, to look up and realize that, you know, God's there during my panic attacks, before my panic attacks, and even after my panic attacks. So, so that's what I'm trying to do today. But... Today's podcast um, is going to be called Brutal Honesty. You know, uh, Chrissy, when I was asking her, I was like, what should I call my podcast from now on? And she's like, call it the No BS Podcast. And I was like, well, I could, but it's still kind of pondering that. And then you know, Josh Shelton told me, you know, Faith, Family, and Wrestling, uh, which I like that one too. That one actually would cover a lot more bases. So I'm still kind of undecided on actually name it 
there's an ambulance going by. Like I said, I do most of my podcasts while I'm driving to work because it gives me about 30 minutes to kind of collect my thoughts, you know, and use my headphones and things like that to do it. So today is the Brutal Honesty podcast, and I'm going to start right where my heart is. Church. Church. Church, church, church. You know, I believe that social media plays a big part in whether people want to stay at a church or not. You know, I know that everything nowadays is social media, Facebook, Twitter, my face, my space, whatever. But we're not big social media family. Like my family, we have, you know, an Instagram, a couple of Instagram accounts. But I usually just get on there to send people funny stuff. Like there's not a whole lot of reason for me to be on there. Um, you know, I don't really, it's not my favorite app to use. I have a Twitter account that's under like a, a random name. That way, you know, I don't get in trouble being a teacher because I'm opinionated. Um, I use it mainly for sports and news. I could care less about anything else on that. You know, it's just one of those things. Sports, news, and wrestling is kind of what I use it for. And, you know, other than that, it's nothing as far as linked to people that I, you know, that I know personally. So, but at a church, you have to have a good balance. You can't make everything full-blown for social media. Because I know a lot of people that, you know, have Facebook and that are Facebook whores, I guess I'll call them. Because every time I hear anything about it, it's about something they put on Facebook or did you see on my Facebook and all that stuff. I don't care. You know, I really don't. Like, it's kind of like Jace Robertson said, if I haven't talked to you in 20 years, I'm not going to look for you on Facebook. It's one of those things. I like personal relationships. You know, I like the phone calls, the text messages, the, you know, face-to-face contact kind of stuff. You know, I don't really care much to interact with folks on Facebook or things like that, you know, and I don't really care to interact with the church on Facebook, you know, because I believe that you miss out on everybody, you know, the younger generation and even up to, I guess, you know, middle age generation, you know, they're, they're used to having this kind of stuff now. It's been around for a while, but when you solely rely on it to pass information, that's when you lose people. That's when you lose members. That's when you lose people's faith in you. You know, you have to invest into people. And you have to do it through personal contact. You know, I will say that a couple of churches that I grew up going to, one of the things that always was a personal contact that I loved was the card ministry. Because handwritten notes and handwritten cards go so far you know, with people, you know, you, you connect on a level that is not an email, that is not, you know, a Facebook wall post or an Instagram comment or whatever. And I enjoy that. I love that because, you know, I know my girls still get cards and stuff from when we went to VBS at a couple other churches, you know, checking in on them and then, you know, hoping you come back to next year's VBS and those things right there, they mean a lot because it lets you know that you're welcome. It lets you know that, you know, you're wanted, you're valued, and people love you. So those kind of things are always a blessing. Like, I'm not saying all social media is bad, but when it's your main focal point, you know, 
to church it up, I guess I would say, then it is bad. You know, if your biggest ambition is to how everything looks presented versus, you know, worshiping God, then you're in the wrong. I mean, there's no other way around it. You know, you're already getting your glory. You know, I mean, I hate to say it that way, but if that's the way it is, you're already getting your treasures on earth for that kind of stuff. You know, I, I believe that, you know, God wants you to worship him. And he wants you to bring others to worship him. And he wants you to build a family relationship in a church. And I know not all families work out right. You know, I, I look at myself right now with some people in my family. And, and I've, you know, I've made peace with things. But at the same time, I know that those relationships are not perfect. I know that there's still going to be some anxiety, some animosity, and some stress there. And I'm... I'm okay with that because, you know, as much as some of the things stress me out, I still want to be a part of my family. Same thing with my church. Some things stress me out. It really does. It drives me crazy. Like, I'll talk to my wife about it or, you know, other member, other deacons of the church and things like that. And, and I believe that's okay because if you're not talking about it and discussing it, then you're not moving forward to make your church grow and work. But... That's my soapbox for, you know, the honesty part of that. You know, I believe that, you know, all churches have room to grow. All churches have room to improve. But if you're not wholeheartedly invested, they're not going to. You know, and if you're solely relying on Facebook and whatever as a platform for your church, it's going to crumble. You know, I mean, I feel like in certain areas... The church is already struggling to grow. And if this is the only, you know, venue that you show, then it's not going to grow. It's going to regress. And eventually it's going to fall apart. Moving forward, my next brutal honesty thing today is teaching. I love to teach. I really do. Like this week, you know, we're doing something that I did as a kid. We're using the parachutes. And those things are, they're fun, you know, I mean, the kids, there's all kinds of activities for the kids to do, uh, they're interactive, they have to work together, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I enjoy doing, you know, when I went to college, I knew I wanted to be a teacher, it took me, a, you know, several years to figure out exactly what I wanted to teach, you know, I love to teach English and literature, but at the same time, I don't have the patience for the classroom. You know, I hate when I'm stuck in a classroom as it is, having to do stuff. But, you know, but I love being in the gym. It's one of those things that, you know, I build different kinds of relationships, especially with, you know, my more challenging students. My more challenging, you're, well, a general education teacher that teaches in the classroom, their most challenging students are generally my best students because, you know, they're usually more active. I'm more athletic, and they really enjoy coming to doing what they're doing in, the, in, my, in my gym. I love it. But the brutal honesty part is, it's stressful. You know, some people act like, oh, school teachers have it easy. They get off in the summer. They, you know, whatever. They're off two months of the year. But that ain't the case. You know, between going to professional developments, staying late, like today, I have to stay late. You know, I 
I'll usually get to school anyway about 6.15. And then you got to stay to 4.30. That's just a long day. I mean, you know, and then dealing with other people's children. That's always a stressor. I enjoy doing what I do because if I can reach one child, I feel like I've done my job. If I can reach multiple children, I feel like that, you know, I've struck gold. But at the same time, it's tough. It's tough parenting and raising other people's children. I love what I do. I love what I do. You know, I love building those mentor relationships. You know, I love doing the check-in, check-outs with my, my guys that come in in the mornings and the afternoons. And we talk about what their day was, and if they got their goals. And, you know, I love doing that kind of stuff. But I don't like dealing with behavior that could be avoided if parents were just parents. I know my kids are nuts. I'm the first one to admit it. You know, but we parent. You know, we discipline. You know, our children know how to act when they're in public. Whether they choose to do it at times, you know, that's up to them. But for the most part, they know how to act. They know what they're supposed to do. Um, I just wish that so much blame and so much pressure wasn't put on the teacher. Like, I hate having to hear about test scores all day long. I hate it. It's like, oh, we got to improve this test. we got to improve this score. How about improve that child? You know, I feel like that growing up, if I had teachers that looked at me as a number or a test score, I wouldn't have been successful. You know, I had teachers that took, you know, care and concern in me and made me who I am. Made me want to teach. You know, made me want to give back because if it wasn't for people like Camilla McDonald, or Coach Brown, Coach Loxton. I wouldn't want to do anything. You know, those those teachers were the ones that stayed late, built those foundations, checked on me, could read your face before you said a word, knew what was wrong, and valued you. You know, like, I'm very blessed to have, to have those three teachers in my life. You know, Miss McDonald was my home ec teacher. I know that's kind of funny, but home ec was where I met all my girlfriends. We got to go to all these camps where I was, like, the only dude there. So, of course, when you have a dance, you get a dance with, like, 300 girls. But that wasn't the main reason I went. Miss McDonald treated me like a son. You know, I took her classes because... I felt welcome. You know, she always checked in with me. Um, always checked out with me. Made sure that, especially after my mom died, things were taken care of in school. If I missed school a day, she'd call me. I, I just, I'm very appreciative for her because, you know, she was there for me. Coach Brown, you know, Coach Brown jumped through some hoops for me because he cared about me. And, like, I remember especially um, one after my mom died, you know, I was either in homecoming or something, and 
then uh, they announced that Scott was my dad and Sheila was my mom and it made my grandfather mad and it made my family mad at me and, and it just and Coach Brown took the brunt of it for me you know he was willing to take that for me and, and tell my family like that it's alright because you know. I had already <laughs> taken off my shoulder pads and helmet and was going to throw them across the field and go just walk home and he didn't let me, you know. I mean, I remember there was a couple of times I just freaked out, you know. I mean, especially my, my senior year, you know, my mom and dad were both dead. You know, I remember just having a couple all-day cry practices where I cried the whole dang practice. I know it makes me sound like a big baby, but I was so pissed off. I was so sad and so mad at the same time that that was the only emotions that I could have. Coach Brown never said nothing to me about it. You know, he treated me good, treated me really good. You know, always was there for me. Um, I just really appreciate that. And Coach Loxton was the same way. You know, I remember after my dad died, Coach Loxton was always the coach that seemed like he was there. You know, yeah, he joked around with me, Craig jokes with me and all that stuff. And, but I really appreciate him. He was one of the reasons why I took to English and literature. You know, uh, Coach Loxton was, was my English literature teacher in middle school. And, you know, I love all the stuff that I learned from him on how to write, how to read, how to break down information. You know, I really appreciate, you know, the kind of teacher he was. Um, you know, if you haven't seen Coach Loxton, you know, share this with him because I haven't seen him in a long time or Coach Brown, but it means a lot to me by having those guys and, and Miss McDonald there, especially whenever I need them. So that's why I want to give back. You know, I could go home and teach, um, probably get a nice cush job in Sumner, Robertson County, and, but I don't feel like I would be giving back with all the experience and the things I've went through that I can give back to where I'm at now. You know, being beat. Yeah, I mean, brutally honest, I was beat as a child. It, there was no spankings. There was beatings. There was tortures. You know, when, you're, when your mama's boyfriend throws hot quarters at you, it makes you catch hot chains and, you know, throws you on the floor and steps on your head and dislocates your arm. Yeah, those are beatings. I've been through it. So when I see a child come in and they have bruises on certain areas of their body, their face, and their you know, neck, and things like that, I'm very much an interrogator. I want to know what happened. Because for one, I remember what it felt like for me, having to wear long sleeves in the summertime. Having my mother make me wear a ball cap and his long sleeves in the summertime and jeans. It's one reason I think I hate wearing jeans. Because it always seemed like when I would get beat, jeans were the first things that were put on my body. I mean, I'll wear jeans, but I just don't care for them. I'd rather wear shorts. Um, you know, being abused. If a kid asks me a question about stuff, I'm going to answer it. I'm going to find out. If a kid tells me that they got an uncle that you know, won't leave them alone or a parent or something, yeah, I'm going to figure this out because I don't want children to go through what I went through. 
I can't. It bothers me. I just can't because, you know, I treat all, I tell all the kids at school, I treat them just like Jen and Julie. And I do. You know, I'm hard on my girls at times. And I'm hard on my kids at times. But I'm the first one to hug you. I'm the first one that kids want to talk to when something's wrong. And that's just kind of how I am. That's my goal in life. You know, I, I could go and do something and make more money. But money's not happiness for me. Happiness is when a kid's having a rough day and they turn it around. Or when a kid's mad at me and they want to hit me and they don't. They drop their hands and they hug me. That's happiness right there. You know, and especially with kids that have issues with parents, losing parents, or parents incarcerated. I've been through that. You know, my dad was in and out of jail all the time growing up. You know, then once both my parents, you know, committed suicide, I've been through that too. I know what it's like to be homeless. So we, we got the kids that are on the hero program that ride the, the hero bus in school because they're homeless. I know how to talk to those children. I've been through it. That's why God has me where I am. I've had a couple chances to leave. A couple chances to change my venue. And it seems like every time I get ready to, I can't. And I believe that's, you know, God doing that to me. He's like, look, I put you here for a certain time. I want you here. I want you to do what you're supposed to do. And, you know, I'm not a lazy teacher. You know, I know some people think, oh, P, all you do is roll out basketball stuff. No. Like, like I'm a very interactive teacher. You know, I, I come home exhausted. I'm at 15,000 steps on an average day. I play with my kids. I walk and jog and talk with my kids while we're walking and jogging. I find out about their families. I find out about what's going on. When daddy gets out of jail. You know, when mama gets out of jail. When big brother that I talk gets out of jail. Or when big brother graduates and wants me to come to his graduation. Or when big sister just had a baby and they want me to see the baby so they bring it by the school during car duty. I love my job. I've been through the ringer on some things, and some days I'm like, man, how can I keep doing this? But when I think about what I've went through, and seeing children go through a lot of the same things, that's why I'm there, you know. When I'm in a role that is tough on me, is challenging, I think about the times and stuff that I went through as a kid, and how my attitude was. How all the times that poor Miss Cothran in second grade used to beat my butt because she didn't know what was wrong with me and I was just acting nuts. Think about all the times that I got paddled at school because I did not know how to express my anger and emotion. And I want to be able to help children express their, their emotions in a positive way because if I can't do that for them, then I feel like I fail them. The biggest challenge that I face for me in teaching is knowing that I can't reach everyone. And that's, that bothers me because I love to try to reach the most challenging students. I know I fail at times. And then I know also that there are times that I fail from the time they're in first through fifth grade or kindergarten through fifth grade, but I see them come back later on, middle school and high school kids, They've turned it around and they hug me and they tell me how much they loved me when I was in school and I was their favorite teacher and that I was hard on them and 
they understood now. You know, those personal growths right there mean a lot to me. You know. So that's why I teach. That's why I teach in Nashville. You know, that I mean somebody's like, oh, it's because they make more money. Really, after taxes and after I paid for you know, my car to drive back and forth every day, there is no more money. You know, I mean, yeah, that's really it. I mean, you make a little bit more money, but there's no more money than it would be if I just didn't drive this far to work and pay for everything that I pay for to come here. But I love, I love doing what I do. I love being able to try to reach out for folks, reach out to kids. You know, I, it's, it's challenging because some kids you just can't reach. And that's, like I said, it's heartbreaking. You know, you got a kid that you're really trying with. And no matter what you say or what you do, there is no, no helping them. And that part right there sucks. Like, I think about a kid named Blessing. I taught Blessing for three years when I was at a different school. And then I read, you know, last week that Blessing had shot somebody. And it sucks because Blessing was a challenging kid. Very challenging. One of my top probably ten most challenging kids I've ever had. And I felt bad for him because he had a lot of things going against him. But at the same time, I did as well. It's all about the choices we make that define what we're going, who we're going to be and what we're going to do in our lives. You know, I could have turned out just like my dad. Like, you know, my dad was a cool guy. Life of the party. Had, had a lot of friends like to hang out with him. Dad was an alcoholic. My dad was a person that struggled with lust. Dad had a ton of girlfriends. One reason him and my mother didn't stay together. But at the same time, you know, I'd value my father. But I just did not want to turn out like him. You know, I love the time we spent together. I love the times that I got to see my dad. But knowing that I could have ended up like him wasn't what I wanted to do. And believe me, breaking those molds are tough. Because not just like my father, I have a lot of what my mother has too. Controlling my emotions. Dealing with being bipolar. Dealing with panic attacks. Stressing. Being an angry person. All those areas are tough to deal with. Especially for me. And I've had to deal with them. I've had to meet each one of those demons head on. That's why I don't drink. Why I don't do drugs. It's why I don't associate myself with people that can bring me down. It's why I stop fighting. It's why I work on controlling my anger, my depression, my stress. Things that I have to really focus on. Especially during a late night panic attack that lasts till 1.30 in the morning. But that's about all I have to say today for the brutal honesty stuff. Uh, this is nothing that I wouldn't say to anybody face-to-face, -face, friend, family, or a person that I don't know. These areas are things that 
you know, or just been on my heart lately. If you want a church to grow, to be successful, turn your phone off for a day. Go visit folks. If you want a church to be successful, write a card to somebody. Or if you do have your phone on, make sure it's a phone call or a text message. At the end of the day, nobody cares about what you're doing on Facebook. In fact, from what I hear about Facebook and stuff like that, it's more negativity. People get jealous. People look at you in a different way. Grow up. Be a human. Learn how to talk to one another. Put your phone up for a day. And the next time you see a teacher, tell them thank you. Buy them a cup of coffee. Tell them you know your kid's a jerk. I know mine aren't. Like, I feel like we got to buy our teacher, our kids teacher's presents all the time. Like, I love my girls, but man, they're tough sometimes. So, just remember, you were a kid once too, and how you acted could be a reflection of how your children act in school. That's all I have for today. I'm almost at school. A couple of things I want to pray about before we close. Um, Patrick Megan, uh, they had a baby named Maddox. A cute little boy. Uh, he was born Saturday, early Saturday morning, I believe. Or maybe late Saturday, early Friday night. I fell asleep. I know that, you know, they were, you know, had the baby and, you know, she had to be induced and C-section and pray for a quick and speedy recovery for Megan and, you know, getting used to having another baby around and all that good stuff. I just want them to, to feel like they're loved and that, you know, their family supports them and their friends support them and, you know, want to help them any way we can. And second is Josh Shelton, you know, a good buddy of mine growing up with all my life. Uh, his brother is one of my best friends since I was like five or six years old. And Josh had a car wreck yesterday. Said everything's okay, but at the same time, just kind of, you know, worry about him, make sure he's healthy and, you know, he's well. and Just take care of him, God. What we want for Josh. Uh, and then lastly, my grandmother. I just want to pray for her because, you know, this is one of the, the things that you know, stresses me out the most is, you know, when my grandfather passed away, you know, they said that he had over six months to live. Six months. So I was in my, I guess, fall semester of college. And they said he had six months to live. And he died in a week. So those things stress me. I want my grandmother to be healthy. The longevity on that side of the family for women is crazy. Like her mother was around 100 and her aunt was over 100. And I mean, all of her sisters are way up there in age. So I just want to pray for my grandmother. You know, hope everything goes well for her. Um, colonoscopy and the surgery. All right. Those are my prayer requests. If you have any, just text me and we'll put them on the podcast and pray for you too. Father God, I thank you for uh, everything you do for me. Thank you for my friends, my family, my connections that I've made in life, my job where I can make a difference. 
I thank you for not letting me get overly stressed out. I thank you for, I guess, panic attacks. Because they do put things in perspective while I'm having them. You know, I don't realize what all my triggers are. I don't realize what all things that are bothering me are until I start actually having them. And I'm not internalizing everything so much. Uh, Father God, I ask that you just be with, you know, Josh. Let him be well. Uh, Let him have no bumps and bruises and no pain. I just ask that you um, bless bless him and his family um, as they you know change venues of where they want to worship. Let them know that they're always welcome to worship with us. Um, be with Patrick and Megan, an exciting moment in their life, bringing home a new baby boy. I ask that you let the baby grow up healthy and strong. Uh, let Megan heal quickly, not overdo it. Uh, C-sections are rough, Lord, and I know I've watched my wife go through two, and I want Megan to not feel any pain. Uh, but please just forgive us of our sins, Lord. Uh, please just guide us, guard us, and direct us. Uh, forgive us when we fail you, and I thank you for everything you do for me. That's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, folks, I know it's a little bit long podcast going on 35 minutes. Um, feel free to share this. Uh, I know that it's on Spotify, and then I was trying to put it on Apple, but I can't figure out how to do it. Well, I don't know if they want me to pay or whatever, but I just couldn't figure out how to put it on the Apple podcast. But you can search it, and and it's on the Anchor app, too. If you download that app, you can actually create podcasts, or you can search them, too. But I hope everybody has a blessed day, and I'll see you soon. Bye.